Welcome to Building Better Businesses. I'm Kristen Dees, founder of Catalyst Consulting, an agency that helps small businesses and entrepreneurs start, grow, and level up their businesses. This podcast will bring you interviews with experts in all things business related. Have questions for a business attorney? We've got answers. How about your health insurance? Got you covered there too. New episodes coming your way every week. Find us on the podcasting platform of your choice. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Building Better Businesses with Catalyst Consulting. My guest today is Teresa Romaine of Access Abundance, and she is a an abundance coach. Um, so I'm pretty excited to talk to her today. We met via Polkadot Powerhouse, which is a nationwide, well, I guess international, technically, international um, women's networking group, which is a really great place. I've met tons of really cool people in there. So Teresa is now one of the people that I met, and I'm excited to have her on here. So thanks for being here. I am excited as well. So great thank you for having me. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, when we just, when we did our little intro conversation, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good one. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> not that any of them have been disappointed. I always say that like every episode, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited, which is good, right? <laughs> yes. That means but, you're having fun doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> yep. Good yeah. guests and stuff. So um, cool. So tell us a little bit about you as a human being. Who's Teresa? Oh, me as a human being. Well, I am a nature gal. I love nature. Nature's my muse. Nature's my happy space. Nature's where I like get to come home, whether it's just going for a walk, sitting out on our four acres, hands in the dirt on a lake. But when you can put me in nature, it's like I'm a happy camper. Even when I was a kid, once I had the flu, and I had a little fever and my mom wouldn't let me go outside, but I wasn't getting any better. And I finally pleaded with her what, the second day of the flu. And I said, mom, mom, can I just go sit by the lake? I know it will make me feel better. And I just pleaded and finally said, okay. And so I went out and I sat by the lake for about a half hour. When I came back in, my fever was gone. <laughs> That's amazing. So- I'm a nature gal. Um, we live yeah. on four acres um, outside of Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin. Um, I live in a 155-year-old farmhouse. They finished building it the same month Abraham Lincoln was shot. So that's kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love to read. I love to write. I love to cook. I love to eat. I've been married to my husband, Dan, for 28 plus years now. We do not have any kids, we have four acres with a pond and an apple orchard and a garden. And that's kind of what we tend to nurture and support to grow up. (laughs) Nice. I like that. That's great. Uh, Do you have any other fun facts about you? You shared, those are some some good fun facts in there. (laughs) I haven't thought about that fever story in a long time. Yeah, that's Um, really cool. Yeah. One fun fact about me is, um, I'm the youngest in a family of seven, but get this. My oldest sister was 28 years older than me when I was born. My two oldest sisters already had two kids apiece. So I had same parents, 28 years. When my mom died, we we recalculated. She went to parent teacher meetings for 46 consecutive years. Like, oh, my God, canonized for that. Seriously. (laughs) Like that's she. Oh, my God. That's, I can't even imagine that poor woman. <laughs> oh. Good for her. That's amazing. 
that she could have retired. Like that's like a whole a whole career. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, well, funny. actually, they didn't need a historian or a secretary because they could just go, Anna Marie. Do you remember? <laughs> yes, you I remember do. what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Good for her. Seven yeah. kids. Wow. Seven kids, um, and um, I have nieces and nephews my same age. So that means I already have three. I'm only 58. I already have three great, great nieces and nephews. Oh, wow. Like yeah. 16 great ones. I mm-hmm. that many, So it's like. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Like no one really knows who's like how everyone's connected. They're just like, we're all related to each other. We're just not sure. <laughs> In oh, what we're, order? We're pretty sure, but it's like <laughs> most people. Like I became a great aunt at the age of twenty. You know, like oh, that's wow. kind of yeah. that's kind of yeah. crazy. Most people are just becoming aunts, maybe at the age of twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so. funny. You've got promoted much much sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I have a good cool. chance of being a great 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 aunt at the rate I'm going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. That's too funny. That's a good, that's a very good fun fact. Yeah, I like that. Um, I grew up in a very <laughs> small family, so like that, I just. I can't even imagine like going to a family gathering. I'd be so stressed out. <laughs> I'd be like, there are, everyone's loud. There's too many people. Like I can't do it. <laughs> well, and, and that's the funny thing because there's such an age difference. I grew mm-hmm. up almost like an only child because there's eight years yeah. between me and my neck. So I'm kind of like oh, a baby yeah. only child with a huge family all at the same time. So I do get to that point in our big family gatherings. It's like, okay, love y'all. Bye. Yeah. I need to go read my book in the car for a while. My hermit just kicked in. My hermit just kicked in. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's like running out of your social juice. That's why I'm like, all right, time for bed. Um, that's funny. Anyway, so uh, what do you do on the work side of things? How do you support business owners and entrepreneurs? Well, Uh, Gosh, in many ways and none of the traditional ways. Uh, If I were to say bottom line, I help them um, transform their relationship with money Mm -hmm. so that they're not so attached to money and they don't feel so much stress around money when they're building their businesses. Um, A lot of people, myself included, When we go into business, we have all sorts of scarcity beliefs and patterns about ourselves and about money and about business that can have us become really successful on on paper business-wise, but not feel like true to ourselves or happy or enjoying our lives. And we can also have like not so much success business-wise or financially. And then we put pressure on ourselves and we don't enjoy our lives either. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like um, the relationship that entrepreneurs have with money um, far too often is one of scarcity. And they think that more money is the answer to it. And it's not. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really support them to to think of money as a life-giving resource like oxygen that's meant to support them to live the life they were created to live and contribute gifts to the world. It's not the purpose of their business. It's not the point of it all. It's just the, it's just a resource, just like your business is for fully experiencing you and creating the life that you're here to create and sharing the gifts you're here to share. 
So, you know, I help them manage their money, but more than that, I help them change their relationship with money. So it's not so fear-based and God knows, mm-hmm. or guilt-based or shame-based. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those, they're all in there, you know? Oh, yeah. Scarcity isn't just not enough money. Scarcity is when you have money, but you're still afraid around money. You're mm-hmm. afraid to lose it. You're afraid to spend it. You're afraid there's not going to be enough. And you, so you can't do something new or take a risk in your business or something like that. That's all different forms of scarcity around money. Mm-hmm. So that's where I work with people. No, and help great. them it's... make more money when they're blocking it. Because, you know, some people were like, oh, you know, I can't make that much money. So, well, why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. 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 There's like all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like when we breathe, we, we can develop a better lung capacity mm-hmm. if we work in. It. It's like, well, you can develop a better money capacity. Yeah. You really can. But then you yeah. still have to exhale and let go at the same time. Can't hold on to it. So that's a little bit of what I do to help entrepreneurs. Oh, so they can great. Have fun again. So they can have fun in their business. Yeah, okay. it's such a big part of it. And um, like we were kind of talking when we first chatted, it's, it's so ingrained in everything that we do. Uh, and it's, I think only recently becoming more, I guess, socially acceptable to talk about it. Like, especially like the money relationship and that it's like, some of us have some pretty deep uh, <laughs> psychological things that we have to unpack and, and work through to be able to, to grow through it. So no, oh, it's awesome. Well, How do- well, yeah. And, and, and even beyond that, I take it one step deeper is we have some spiritual beliefs to unpack around it mm-hmm. because uh, you know, you know, we grow up in a world where there's this message. And if you've grown up in the Western world and exposed to any Western Christian religion, you've probably picked up this idea that the physical and the spiritual worlds are separate. That God's out there. And if you live a good life, when you die, you can join God in heaven. And that leaves it all like, oh my gosh, this money stuff, it's up to me. I have to make a living. I have to take care of myself. I have to provide for myself. There's pressure. And there's also guilt. Oh, and I'm making all this money, but maybe money's bad and all of that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. it, we never, we never think of money like we think of oxygen. Well, of course we need money, but we don't make it. We receive it. We need to learn how to use it in ways that support life in us. And we're meant to share it too. Mm-hmm. But, but so I take it at an even deeper level because if you th- have an idea of a God who's separate, whatever you call God, or a God who's punishing, or a God who, if you don't do it right, you're going to go to hell when you die, or any of that sort of stuff, well then, oh my gosh, money's money's going to be your your jugular, because it's like, mm-hmm. I need it to live, and I've got to do it. Yeah. I'm alone. I got to do it. <laughs> and yeah. that, I've lived that one. That one doesn't work so well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's always the teaching that money is the root of all evil and all that kind of stuff too. It's yeah, like got pretty deeply, too. yeah, pretty deeply ingrained in us. Um, yeah. And like corporations are evil and the rich men are evil. And I mean, don't get me wrong, some you of got them all are. That sure. Going on. But and yeah, it's like a business owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a weird weird headspace to be in. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we never we never would. How many of us grew up and said like God wants you to have money? Yeah. No. Yeah. Like God wants flowers to have rain. <laughs> Like God wants us to have money so that we can live the life we were created to live. 
Mm-hmm. Now, we all need different amounts of money to do that. You know, I always like to use nature again. You know, a cactus in the Arizona desert needs water. And so does a cypress tree in a bog in Louisiana. But don't mm-hmm. try and give the, the cactus the same amount of water you give the cypress tree or vice versa. That's not abundance. That's scarcity, too. And mm-hmm. that's what sometimes entrepreneurs do because we think more is better. More is better. Not knowing, well, maybe I'm a cactus. And so I want to just make sure I have enough water for me and I can make more, but then I can use that to, to help send money over to Louisiana yep. cypress trees. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we do yeah, the comparison. I'm a cactus. How come I can't be a cypress tree and need that much water? Because that's not who you are. Yeah. That's Tell them to be made. who you it's are okay. and trust yeah. that everything you need to be who you are will be available to you. It's in there. It's all in there. Yeah. You have it all it's inside. there. Like, yeah. we all got a nose. We didn't do anything to make our nose, did we? No. We all got a nose right on time. Can you imagine yeah. if, if when we were in the womb, we're like, oh, what, now when am I supposed to have a nose? I better set a goal. I better have a plan, a schedule for when I'm going to get a nose. What if I don't get a nose? We never thought of, you know? Yeah. Maybe that what we need will always be there for us if we learn to trust it. Mm-hmm. That's the abundance. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, how did you end up where you are? So what's what's your journey to to this? That's a long story. I will try I know. to keep it short. Okay. Um, <laughs> kind of one of the starting points of it was when I went to college, um, I didn't grow up being told, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Follow your dreams. I just grew up being told you will go to college. So when it came time to pick a college, I had to have an idea what I was going to do, major in. I had no idea, but I worshipped my brother, Bill. So I decided I was going to become an accountant like my brother, Bill. So I went to this college of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota to be an accountant. Mm -hmm. You were required to take a theology class as freshmen. I loved that theology class. It was like, oh my gosh, this is the best. It was my favorite class. So I came home the very first chance I had on break Thanksgiving to tell my mom, mom, I'm going to be a theology major instead of an accounting major. You know what my mom said? Oh, no, Teresa. Oh, no, no, no. You need to make money. (laughs) You need to make money when you get out of college. You have debts to pay off. I'm going, well, can I do that and be a theology major? And she just, I couldn't disappoint or upset my mom. So I graduated with a business degree and a corporate job, but took a lot of theology classes because I loved them. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got this, either I get to do what I love and what brings me joy, or I make money and making money wins. Mm-hmm. I go into that corporate job with the plan. As soon as I've got my student loans paid off, I'm going to do what I love. Except for it was a really good corporate job. At least the pay was. And about mm-hmm. three years out of college in the 80s in the Midwest, I was making like six figures. That's Ooh. a lot of money. It's a lot of money now. Yeah. I discovered I liked having money. It was really fun. (laughs) I never had that much money before. I liked being able to do things for people and and have experiences they didn't have and go to theater and all that sort of stuff. I loved it. I didn't like my job. Mm -hmm. And the job kept changing and being more cookie cutter. So my creativity that kept me in it kept changing and was like, I student loans paid off. Let's go do what I love. I thought I'd go work for the church or some ministry or nonprofit. Ooh, that was going to be quite the pay cut. So mm-hmm. once again, money or what I love. 
And this is for the longest time, like I had this split. It was an either or. This is a scarcity pattern of I can make money or I can do what I love. So finally, I met met the, Dan, my husband, who was doing network marketing. I had no idea what network marketing was at the time. But once I knew we were going to kind of be together, it's like, well, tell me about your business. And I thought, oh, here's a way. I can make a lot of money, make a difference in people's lives, do something I enjoy. So once we were married, I quit my six-figure corporate job. We bought a house. We moved out of Chicago back to Minnesota, where I'm from, and thought, we've got savings. We've got reserves. We can do this full-time because, you know, got to do this full-time um, and we'll be fine. That was the plan. On paper, we were we would be fine. I mean, everybody thought we were going to succeed. We thought we were going to succeed. The only thing we succeeded at was spending a hell of a lot of money <laughs> trying to make money. And then we built up a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the catalyst that set me on the journey I'm on now, because eventually I said, OK, we got to deal with this debt. I wanted to just work harder and make more. Dan was like, no, we just have to cut back. That felt like deprivation. And bottom line, I said, there's got to be something I'm missing. And it set me on this journey of learning how to manage money, get out of debt, personal growth, prosperity, all this sort of stuff. And as I started learning stuff that was making a difference for me, it's like, I want to share this with other people. So 25 plus years ago, I became an abundance coach, primarily at the time to help people get out of debt in a way that they could, so they could enjoy their lives so that money wasn't limiting them. But it's evolved a heck of a lot since then. And like I've said from the beginning, I teach best what I most need to learn and practice mm-hmm. myself. Never a truer statement. And I, I, I kind of think those first 20 plus years, I was like one step ahead of my own scarcity, you know, building this business. And I had two primary phases that a lot of entrepreneurs can wait. I had the first 10 years where I worked really hard. I worked long hours. I worked weekends. I put in the sweat equity. You know what I mean? And I made a lot of money doing workshops and services and programs and offering all of that. But guess what? I didn't have much of a life other than my business. So that wasn't abundance. So finally, when I was just totally burnt out and I was resenting my business and I just couldn't keep it up anymore, my soul felt like it had just like shriveled and died. I said, okay, I'm going to do Dan's thing. We're going to cut everything way back, cut our cost of living down to next to nothing. And at least I can go be in my garden and sit in nature and I don't have to work so hard. So that's what I did. And that was good for a while because it was Mm -hmm. like, just having time and space and sleep was really nice. (laughs) But then I started to buck up against, oh, but we don't really have the money to go on a vacation or do this or do that. And then I was in this like, now what? Do I have to go back to the working hard model? I just felt like I was the shrunken shell of who I was and money was what was stopping me, either lack of it or how I made it. And so that that was like five years ago when I finally said, there's got to be again something I'm missing. And that's when I started to see there's this deep invisible archetype of scarcity that the world's built on that we all operate in and we try to do the more or less to get the more of whatever we think we need and it doesn't work it's like the world we live in is a giant game of musical chairs do you remember playing that game as a kid Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I always as soon as they announced it, it's like I stress up, you know. Oh like, yeah, I don't enjoy that. No. Yeah, no, no, nobody <laughs> nope. enjoys it because it's like it's a game that's set up for scarcity. There's never uh-huh. enough chairs for any everyone, and there never will be. So from the beginning, it's fear. It's fear. And so that's like the archetype of scarcity that I've since discovered the world's built on. And so many entrepreneurs build their business on. They're doing some combination of, I got to do more, I got to do more, but then they have less of something else they want. Mm-hmm. Or they're doing the either or, either I can have the money and the outward success, or I can have this. And we haven't been taught how to have the and. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm about, having people discover the and. Yeah. You can have the money and a business you enjoy and a life you enjoy. But you got to get out. You can't play musical chairs to have that. You can't play yeah. it musical chair style. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I was one of those ones, I'm guessing like you, you were like the competitive type when musical games came along, musical chairs came along. I'm a, bit, was, a bit competitive, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was the competitive type. So I usually hung in there and either won or was one of the last finalists. Now, along the way, I was stressed and tensed all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to occasionally push some people off yeah. the chair a little harder. <laughs> I was going to say, I, yeah, I've definitely, I have definitely you know? pushed some children out of chairs in my day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is like, that's not who I want to be, but that's yeah. what that game creates in us. And that's what I think oftentimes the business world, when it's built on the archetype of scarcity, calls out. But then I had my friend Rosie in grade school. When she played musical chairs, she went, uh and she would like, because you had to, she'd walk around the first row of chairs to music. But when the music stopped, if there wasn't a chair she could just sit down on without bumping anybody, she just walked away. <laughs> she just quit first round. That's She's not like, abundance. That's not abundance either. No, I think maybe that's better boundaries. I don't know. <laughs> She's maybe like, it is, this but game it's not abundance leaving. because yeah. she yeah. felt left out and excluded and oh, yeah. like yeah. a loser and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And what none of us are getting is like, what if that's not the game we're here to play? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if that's not what business and money is meant to be? Let me make sure I get my chair so I can retire when I get older or whatever it is. Yeah. Or, oh, I don't want to push that hard. I don't want to work that hard. I'll, I'll just go without and go sit over here and live simply. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's, I don't think that's why this world was created. I don't think that's why we were created to live yeah. life like that. But God knows I have, I have just, just saying I have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, that's how you learn the things that you need to learn. Like exactly. Like, hmm. This doesn't you, seem and right. Then you, and then yeah. you learn what you have to unlearn too. Right. Yeah. And then you do, it's like you, you were talking about kind of the pendulum swing basically too. Like you've gone on both sides of it. Um, and you're like, nah, that's not right. There's somewhere here in the middle that's going to be actually more comfortable. Um, so I don't know. I know that's what I do sometimes too when I'm trying to like learn something. Like it's just, it's like boom, boom. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Where's like... <laughs> Where's the happy middle? Um, Yeah, for sure. Right. Makes sense. Or let's get off the teeter-totter, period. Oh, yeah. Oh, let's get off the Mm -hmm. (laughs) teeter-totter. That's also a terrible, like, who, why is that a fun time? I never enjoyed the teeter-totter. I'm like, this is, this is dumb. Like, who invented this? Um, (laughs) Didn't you just hate it when you were at the top and the person you were on with, like, got off and made you go boom, like... Oh, I hated that. But, but you know, that's what I mean. It's like, it's like, 
you know, this pendulum, it's like a teeter totter. And we're like, well, mm-hmm. let me see if I can find the way to balance the teeter totter. I'm going, no, just get off the teeter totter. Yeah. It's a stupid <laughs> there's game. A diff- there's, a different, <laughs> there's a different playground we can play in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Uh, the stuff, the stuff you don't really think about, you know, and you're like, wait a minute, why is that a thing? Um, but anyway, <laughs> So uh, where does scarcity show up when we don't know it's hiding? Like, Mm. yeah. It's almost like that's the, it's almost like you can almost assume scarcity showing up. (laughs) And so it's almost like the real question is where is abundance? And I'm not seeing it thinking it's hiding, Mm. you know, it's almost like that. But that being said, um, one way to know where scarcity showing up, um, that you may not realize is, is to pay attention to your body. Literally. Mm-hmm. I say to, I say to my clients that your body is to scarcity. What a smoke detector is to fire. The moment at some conscious or subconscious level, you started operating in scarcity, there is going to be a constriction, a tightening, uh, a blocking, a resisting, uh, a shrinking, a a draining in your body. Always, always. You just, Mm -hmm. you just can't. I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make up an example right now. Do you have a mortgage? Uh, Yeah. Okay, great. So let's say I have no idea what your mortgage is, but let's say your mortgage is $1,200. I'm just making up a number and it's due tomorrow and you only have $50 in all of your bank accounts. Mm-hmm. What did you just feel in your body? Just oh, a little a nauseous. <laughs> yes. Yes. That fast. It's not that the, I mean, I'm clear if you have a mortgage payment that's due and you only have 50 bucks, you, you need more money, but, but your reaction to that, there was a thought you had and oh shit or oh my god i'm never going to be able to pay that or how am i going to make that money implied i can't or whatever that created the <gasps> nausea mm-hmm. feeling so one of the best ways to discover where scarcity is hiding and you may not be seeing it is regularly check in and notice what's happening in your body notice when it, there's that tension even when you're quote feeling excited you can feel excited and then I'll go like, yeah, I'm excited, but my whole body's tense with excitement. And I know that excitement is probably like my head. It's not really here. And there's other times when I'm excited and you're relaxed and you're flowing and you're having fun and you're loose. So one place to always tell where it's hiding, because it's going to be for different people, is teach yourself. Set a timer every hour and just check in and see what your body's doing. Are you breathing? Do you have nausea? Are you tight? Are you clenched? That's going to tell you. And it's not in response to probably your reality. It's in, it's the thoughts you have about having $50 in your bank account and your mortgage due tomorrow that create that fear-based response. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a client who is, she's basically a millionaire. And once upon a time, she was almost homeless. She feels guilty a lot, oftentimes because she's doing so well and she knows so many people who are struggling like she once did. And when that guilt shows up, 
it too, even though that's not, that's a fear-based response too, but in her body, there's just like, like her shoulders hunch and she puts her head down and, and she does all of that. So that's one way that scarcity shows up um, when we don't know what's hiding and we can, ex- we can see what's going on. When we get aware of that, I first always tell people to just stop. When you notice that stop, which is the hardest thing because we're so in it to stop take a long, slow, deep breath. And then just notice what you're feeling and notice what you're focusing on and what is what you're thinking. Just start to become aware of what's going on. Where are you focused on what you don't have instead of what you have? Where are you focused on what you can't do, what you think you can't do instead of what you can? Where are you focused on not enough and stuff like that? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It can show yeah. up even if, if you have an, an, maybe you're writing a blog or something and you know it, you have to write it and you haven't started, you're procrastinating on it. You're procrastinating on it. You're procrastinating on it. That's going to, that's going to have, you're going to have some energetic block in your body around that blog. And so if you stop and breathe and you're whatever, um, you may go like, oh, it's going to take forever is your thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe. So let's do five minutes right now. And as soon as you say, let's do five minutes, your head's going to scream, but that's not enough. That's not enough. Well, yeah, maybe, but we're going to do five minutes like that. So that's one place where it shows up. Um, Anytime you're feeling pressure, anytime you're trying to prove, anytime you're trying to please, anytime you're trying to impress, procrastinate, probably scarcity is showing up. Some fear of either not having enough resources or somehow you're not enough, not good enough, not like that. That's, that's when it's going to come up. And of course, in response to we're not enough, we try and be more than we are and go into a lot of debt to impress and be more and look successful. And then we're still left with this, oh, Something's wrong with me. I'm not enough because look at the mess I've made of my finances or something like that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's where I would say to start to look for where scarcity may be hiding. Pay attention to your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, even just there's certain things where I'll procrastinate on doing proposals sometimes um, because I hate them. But I think that like now that you're talking about, I'm like, hmm. It's probably a little bit of my imposter syndrome that yes. I, I try to ignore, but I, cause I do sometimes like for the most part, I'm fine. I'm, I'm confident. I believe in my skills and abilities, but then there are those times where I'm like, what am I even doing? And why are people paying me to do shit for them? Like, I just, you know, like, does everyone yes. else know? So I think that that's sometimes, and it's just the, um, to the money point is like asking people to give me money for something. Um, and I think that that kind of like ties in together where I feel guilty for asking for money. Um, cause yep. I'm like, I should just share my knowledge for free and my experience, I had 20 years of experience. Um, I'm aging backwards. I'm a vampire. No, I'm just kidding. Um, gotcha. it's good. <laughs> now you good should filters sell that on... that's <laughs> yeah. No, it's just cause we're on a uh, video. Like if we were, yeah. you'd be like, Oh, okay. No. Um, I'm just kidding. But yeah, so it's the, it's that like that guilt, the, the shame, the imposter syndrome, like all of that kind of stuff kind of plays into that one. I don't really enjoy that kind of task anyway. Like it's, um, I don't like the like super detail stuff. I just want to be like, Hey, 
can you do this for me? Um, this is what I want. <laughs> I really need an assistant, but anywho, um, well, yeah, so and, that and all makes sense. And so, so one way that you perpetuate scarcity is you, when you keep forcing, there's that word again, yourself to do stuff that really isn't your jam and that drains yeah. your energy. Mm-hmm. Now I, I know that sometimes we have financial limitations we have to honor and we can't go hire a VA, but yeah. we can, Oh, I hate this. I hate this. Well, that no, procrastinating, but then you hate yourself when you're procrastinating it, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now we're in this vicious cycle. Okay. I don't like to do this. I'm going to one day have a VA who will do this for me. Notice how your focus just changed. And I'm going to put this proposal together because this proposal is going to help me have that VA one day. Now your focus is changing on what you're going to have. And then you can say, and how can I do this proposal? How can I do this proposal in a way that would make it more fun or more pleasurable? Maybe Mm -hmm. it's you dictate it because you're a talker instead of typing it. Yep. Maybe it's you, when I'm doing that stuff that I have to do still and I don't like, I'm watching a chick flick. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to do that administrative stuff while I'm kind of watching a chick flick because you don't have to give it full attention and it just makes it more fun. And then I'm focusing on, oh, but I get to watch a chick flick. Oh, I get to do this. I'm not getting in that cycle of I'm not enough. I should be doing this. What's wrong with me that I'm not doing this? This is just having me feel more like an imposter like that. Does that mm-hmm. help? Yeah. Yeah. That's, what, yeah, that's I, how I, I, um, I do that, like that five minute trick too. That's something that yeah. um, helps me. The other thing that I'll do sometimes is I've found that I procrastinate um, when the job feels too big sometimes too. Yes. So like I have to like break, I'm like, okay, I'm really, yes. I'm really resistant to this thing. Like I just keep putting it off and um, yep. sometimes if I break it down into smaller steps, that helps too. Absolutely. And I'm just like, I'm just going to do this one piece. I'm just going to do the outline yep. of my blog post or my curriculum or whatever it is. I'm just yep. going to do the framework. I don't yep. have to create the whole thing all at one time. It's yep. okay. That's how you break out of one of the most <laughs> yeah. common scarcity patterns entrepreneurs is we fall into the all or nothing pattern yeah. with its cousins, fast or nothing, big or nothing, perfect or nothing, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And in our mind, whatever it is we're trying to do, it seems to be so big or needs to be so fast or whatever, we get locked and do nothing. And the way out of it is, as you said, to do something. Now, yeah. there's a trick to doing something because you have to have the discipline to start. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm going to start. Yeah. But then you also have to have the discipline to stop. And that's mm-hmm. where a lot of people, they'll get started and then it's like, oh, well, now I'm on a roll. Let me just do the whole proposal. Instead of, nope, I said I was only going to do five minutes, so I'm going to stop and move on to something else. Because otherwise what happens then is we're doing all this, we're doing nothing in these other areas in our business, and now we got to go catch up on that. Yep. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never done that, Teresa. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Um, I'm just sharing my autobiography. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Are you writing mine too? I'm confused. <laughs> so uh, isn't that funny though? And like a lot of that yeah. stuff... Um, I know for me too, like as I've, as I've made relate or built relationships with other entrepreneurs, business owners, um, and particularly women where we're talking about stuff and I'm like, Oh shit, I thought that was just me. <laughs> like this whole yeah. time, the whole point, like, and I, t- I tell those people all the time, I'm like, get a network of other business owners and like 
develop those relationships because like your friends and family, unless they also happen to be business owners, um, they're not going to understand. It's a totally different struggle. Like it's a whole, the personal growth journey, part of it is insane. And then just running a business is a whole different game. And so, yeah, just being around people where I'm like, oh, it's so, and talking to all these people that um, I've talked to, I think like two or three different women lately in different settings where they've been recently diagnosed with ADHD as adults. And they're like, Holy shit. Um, what? Like, I thought I was defective this whole time. And yeah. I, like all the little things that, where I'm like, I think maybe <laughs> I have something like that, ADD or yeah. ADHD. But they're like, I've just been compensating for this and being told that I was um, doing things wrong or needed to pay attention, blah, blah, blah. And like having to like constantly have different crutches I guess. Yep. And, and I was just like, dude, that's so crazy. Like <laughs> it so is. it's always refreshing. I feel like to, to just talk to someone and it's like, Oh, you're also a high functioning individual. It's I can, I'm okay. Yeah. Okay. Like this isn't just a, a yes. meeting. Everyone else struggles with this or a lot of people struggle with this. So. Yeah. Oh no, I think yeah. we all do because you know, we live in a, especially in the American culture. Sure. Yeah. More and bigger and fast is yep. the name of the game. Bigger, so better, faster, break, stronger. <laughs> to break out of that all or nothing pattern and do something, oh my God, you have to, that, but that's yeah. not enough is going to scream in your head and you're daring to claim another truth. It's enough for now. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, it's such now. a huge lesson. Like that's something that I've gotten a lot better at, um, especially being like running my own business. But I help, try to help people with that too, because it's, it, it's a thing. It's like, hey, entrepreneurs and and I, dreamers, like everybody wants to do all these things, but they end up doing 26 million things half-ass or not at all because they're like, I, it's so overwhelming. And I'm like, it is because yeah. you, you literally can't do all of it, but you can do steps, pick a thing yeah. and let's do that one thing and just crush it and then move on to the next thing. Like you can't do all the things at the same time. So yeah. yeah. But the thing that that's going to buck up for a lot of people is, you know, and this is the work that I do, when we're trying to do all those things, it's somehow to compensate for what we think is our not enough. Mm -hmm. Oh, because if I can do all these things, if I can pull this off, if I can do more and be in this committee and do this and do that, look at how, look at how that makes me enough. It's somehow to try to compensate for what we think is our own deficiency. Yep. But that's the lie that we're living on. We're not deficient. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a, a realization at some point in time in the last like year or so that I really like to be exceptional. Uh, I mean, I'm a millennial, so it's whatever. Right. Um, (laughs) So I was just born that way. Uh, But realizing that actually helped me, go, if I can't be automatically really good at something off the bat, um, then I have never had any interest. I'm like, if I can't just be super good at tennis or bowling or golf or whatever it is, like the first time I play, if people aren't like, oh my God, how are you so good? I'm like, because I'm exceptional. (laughs) Um, then I don't do it. I'm like, that's so dumb. Like there's so many things that, and I don't mean dumb. If you feel like you struggle with this people, I don't mean it at you. Yeah. I, yeah. I try to not, I'm trying to work on that, but uh, yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to learn how to play golf and I'm going to take spin class and I'm going to do these things. 
and actually stick with them because the only way to be exceptional at something is to keep trying over and over again and like practice. And I'm like, you can't. So it's like this weird, because like you said, it's like compensating. Like I identified for so long um, as an exceptional, what it was, the thing, it was talented and gifted program. Like I was always, I, I read sooner and faster than everyone. Um, I was smarter than other people. And I kind of like hung my hat on that. It's just like the stuff that forms, you know, when you're a kid. And I'm like, now that I'm like, oh, whoa, like all the things that I just didn't keep doing because I was like, nah, this is too hard. I don't want to. I'm not just automatically magically good at it. This is, you know, yeah, like, I, 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 I totally, now you're, now you're writing my autobiography. Oh, good. Okay? And I'm not a millennial, so I don't get oh, to use whew. that as an excuse. Okay. okay? But here's by the it thing. Honest. You want to know where the real freedom is to no longer care whether you're exceptional or not. Yeah. I mean, I'm working on it. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's the real freedom because then you yeah. can go have new experiences and you're not always measuring yourself. See mm-hmm. the definition of abundance that we all live in, in our world, our dictionary says it's all about quantity. It's a measurement yeah. of, of a quantity. It's like, Oh, cool. I'm gifted and exceptional. This, this is fun and easy for me. This is hard for me, but I enjoy it. This I absolutely suck at, but I enjoy it. And this, you know what? I don't like it. And so I'm not going to make myself keep doing it just so I can be exceptional at it too. Like there's the real freedom. Mm -hmm. We just get to be whoever we are and experience more of ourselves. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm working on it, but there's the real freedom is to be unattached to whether we succeed or fail, we're exceptional or suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> us, us humans, we're such interesting, oh, flawed, flawed little there creatures. We yeah. We're, it's, we're, we're so interesting. It's amazing we're not laughing at ourselves more. <laughs> yeah. It's because we're all so Except serious we, about we're trying all to so serious, yeah. like, I got to be exceptional or whatever. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But yeah we're, we're a funny lot. Yeah. And it's so, so much of it happens outside of our awareness or control too, because yeah. so much of this stuff like happens as you're um, becoming an adult, you know, as you're a kid, like the stuff just gets there and you're like, oh, yeah. cool. Like 30 years later, I'm going to unravel that. Okay. Neat. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, then anyway. Who the, then who the hell am I going to be? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that happens in entrepreneurs too. They, they start a business and then they get identified with their business. Mm-hmm. And then they can't change because, well, that's who I am. And this is what I do. And then suddenly the business that may have supported them for so long has suddenly become their new prison. Yeah. And that just breaks my heart. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times uh, it's going to evolve just like anything else. Like I've talked to lots of people that are coaches and they started out as a, a thing like um, say massage therapist. And then they become a coach for other massage therapists or for what, you know, like something because mm-hmm. they became an expert with it and they're like, Oh, and they find themselves in that like mentor situation and that kind of evolves and they become a coach and they're like, okay, I like this part of it, not that part. And it continues to kind of shift and evolve as you go. And I, I, I feel like that's half the fun is the, the things that you kind of encounter as part of the entrepreneur journey is oh. it's like, huh, that's something that I never them loosely. But if you're like, Oh, but people know I'm so good at this and this is what I've always done and people love it and they accept it. It's really hard to say, but eh, I'm going to go do something completely different. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that, there's, there's growth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So, um, how does scarcity show up when we're setting goals as business owners? <laughs> this is my favorite one. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Now, you may be an exception because you're so exceptional. I, I am, as we've established. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to use this example I use when I'm working with some of my clients. So let's say they have a sales goal and they have the goal of, okay, I'm going to have $5,000 in sales of this month. And so they work their butt off and they hit their goal. Yay! What do most people do? For the next month, is their goal 5,000 or do they go, now I'm going for 6,000 or 7,000? Most people that I know, it's like, oh, I hit it. Let's go for a new goal. Mm -hmm. There's the scarcity. There's the setup for scarcity. Because if you're always like hitting it and then you have to go for more right away, you never get to experience the satisfaction, the enoughness of where you've reached. And on top of it, it takes one level of skills and personal growth and development to achieve a goal and another to do it again and again and again and again. So it's kind of like what I call the jet, rather than the let's just do more, let's do more, let's do more, more is better and always be going for more. I use, I encourage my clients to use the jello salad approach. My niece, um, one of my older nieces, has, um, for our fa- big family Christmas, she always brings her traditional 12 layer jello salad in this big, clear trifle dish. It's just gorgeous. If I showed you a picture of it, you do what every one of us do every year. It's like, oh, it's so gorgeous because you've got these. 12 or 14 different colored layers of jello just perfectly mm-hmm. stratified in this clear bowl. And we all, I mean, she's done it for 30 years, I think. And we still <laughs> all go, oh my gosh, it's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And somebody always says, even though we know the answer, oh, that must be so hard. To which Lisa, my niece, always says, actually, it's really quite simple. You just need to make sure one layer sets before you add the next layer. Oh, <laughs> that does. in my mind, I was thinking like, oh, you need like different pans and you got to like <laughs> do all the different layers individually and then like put them all together. I'm like, oh, that's going to be yeah. a train wreck. But <laughs> no, that makes, no. oh, you just got to make sure one layer sets before you add the next layer. Now for the all or nothing, fast or nothing, more is better of us. We get one done. It's like, let's go. Let's add another one. We could have the exact same ingredients and it ain't going to look nearly as pretty as Lisa's. Mm -hmm. And so when we're setting goals, it's like allow ourselves to set a goal, achieve it, and then achieve it again and again and again. That's how we build confidence. Now, I'm not saying 5,000 is your goal. I say 5,000 or more. And then you hit it and you go, oh, my goal is 5,000 or more. Oh, my goal is 5,000 or more. You do that for three, four, five, six, seven months. You may actually be making 10,000. But you know what? You're getting, you know that then when you raise it four months or six months later, you know that your efforts to get to more is not going to have you suddenly make less because that layer's been set. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite ones is to slow down on the more, on the gas pedal. 
and let the the jello each layer each goal set you know you can drive straight through to disney world from wisconsin in florida and it's about a 26 hour drive and you're going to arrive in disney world exhausted or you could stop two or three places along the way get a hotel room go out to dinner enjoy the pool and still get to disney world and be ready to enjoy disney world mm-hmm. that scarcity in us that thinks fast is better more is better big is better whatever has us want to push 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 instead of and what i love about lisa's jello salad is it occurred to me, this is after she'd been doing it for 20 years. It's like, not only is it simple as in let that layer set, while that layer is setting, she doesn't have to do anything. She gets to go enjoy the rest of her life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which entrepreneurs are like, I should be doing something. I should be doing something. I should be doing something. Mm -hmm. How about you just, again, if, if you don't think it's all up to you, how about you just, Keep doing what you're doing for a while. Just trust that. Let the layer set and then add another goal. So that's one of my favorite things around goals. Mm -hmm. Also to have it be concrete, but not limiting. So if your goal is $5,000 of sales, it's $5,000 or more because from a subconscious level, you don't want to limit it to 5,000, but you want to have something measurable. If it's 24 or more, unless you literally do, like I'm doing a virtual workshop and I wanted to max it to 24 because I only wanted that many people for the workshop. But other than that, it's like 24 or more new clients, whatever like that. That's another thing. But you don't have to keep doing to make the more. You get to have the success of, I hit my goal. I hit my goal. I hit my goal. I hit my goal. Oh my gosh. Now that feels abundant. Mm-hmm. Well, and it builds like the consistency and like from my perspective of like systems processes efficiency um, or really just, I mean, the back end, like the money side of business too, is like you, if you did it once, that doesn't mean that yes. you can do it again. Um, exactly. Or if you did it once, then refine the processes. How did you do it? Um Yes. How do you create something that's sustainable? Like you said, like it set it, let it set, let the foundation set there and then strategically go, okay, so I can, I did $5,000 for three months or six months or whatever it is. What's kind of my next step in the vision? Like, is it adding more clients? Is it adding more services, products, whatever the thing yeah. is? Cause I do that all the time too. Like I, when you were talking again, I was like, Oh cool. Yeah, this is me. Um, makes sense. Do it's as I say, sense. not as I do people. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like the what's next. I'm not doing enough. Um, I need to launch all these things and having to like go, okay, what can I actually sustain? And like some of this uh, has even been like not taking on new clients. Cause I'm like, I yes. want to, I want to be able to um, build out my, like uh, the only way I can think of describe is like my residual stuff. Like here's yep. my courses, here's my shop, here's my, yep. What are, like all these things that kind of like will start, but I haven't been able to because I've always had to like take clients because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I need money, <laughs> right? And yeah. the, whole, the whole thing about residual means that it happens later <laughs> um, yeah. and you build it up, right? So, yeah. Um, but if I keep putting it off, then I'll never get it done because I just don't have time if I have um, a lot of clients. So that's been like in the last like, uh, like three to six months where I'm like, yeah, I can't. 
I'll do some like workshops and classes and stuff every now and again, um, just mostly for the awareness and like to keep, you know, so I don't lose the connection that I have in the, the community. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had, it, cause it's basically that I'm like, I can't, I cannot sustain this all. I am exhausted all the time. Yeah. Um, and this is not why I left corporate life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least I'm exhausted for my own self instead of a, a company right. that doesn't give a shit about me. <laughs> like, you know, not at the right. top, like they don't care. Right. Uh, maybe the people close to me sort of do, but anyway, right. so yeah, I'm like, this isn't why I left. I want to be able to enjoy my life, um, have balance, do the things that I like doing. I exercise all the time. I'm very active. I get to do fun things like try to be good at golf, um, which takes time and practice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm getting better. Like, but it's because I've committed to doing it and I actually play and practice consistently. I mean, it's not a lot still. I've only been doing it for a few months, but everyone calm down. I'm not good at golf yet, (laughs) but, uh, but I can see progression because I'm, I'm doing it right. Like the consistency is there. I'm showing up, I'm doing the thing. And it's like, okay, like, all right. So now I'm going to work on this piece of my swing because you can't fix everything at once. And if anything is an example of that, it is a golf swing. (laughs) It's like, absolutely. if you try to fix all of the pieces of the swing, you will never be able to figure it out. It's like, okay, so now let's work on how far back you're going. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Um, And I could say, yeah. My 155-year-old farmhouse would fall under that category too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't start. Don't you be demoing anything because stuff's going to get weird. You're going to have a sideways house. You're going to do a little bit at a time. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be like, what are you doing? So, uh, yeah. But no, I think that's that's such a huge um, thing to call out too is because you just – if you're just like throwing a bunch of stuff together all the time, then it's never going to actually stick. Oh God, that jello exactly. salad is and such I've a good that. example. And I've done that because of the money. I need the money. I yeah. need the money. I need the money. Yeah. Um, and then I always go, and what do you need the money for? Because a lot of times, oh, I wish I just did a little video on this. If I had a dime for every person of the past 25 years who said, I just want to make enough money that I never have to think of it again. Do you mm. know how much money I have in my bank account? Mm-hmm. Because it's like we 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 have this making more money is the answer. Yeah. No, knowing how to use whatever you have, however large or small that amount, is part of the answer too. Mm-hmm. And you can have, you know, um, it's called what I call I call it the weird oxymoron prosperity principle of limitation. A lot of people don't think of prosperity and limitation like that's an oxymoron. But it really, it's really the way things work in nature. Uh, we, we prune um, basil plants so they get bigger. We prune apple trees so they produce more fruit. Um, we, we limit what we can do, time, money, energy-wise, so that we can be more productive, so that we can have more energy. It's mm-hmm. like the Goldilocks story. You know, we, we in America think big is better. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And we're like, I don't want too small, but it's not big. It's not too hard. It's not too soft. It's just right. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's just right. And that's always going to be a limitation. You yeah. know, and, you know, most of us in America, we have this dream of unlimited if I can just do that. And that's always going to perpetuate scarcity. Well, and if you have like bad money habits and you make more money, you will still have bad money habits. <laughs> like there's so many people I know that, you know, it's like they get a promotion and then they buy a boat. Uh, they get a promotion and then they buy a bigger house or 
they buy yeah. another. It's like the, I mean, cause that's, and that's not just people, that's everybody. Right. Cause again, like you said, that's our, that's kind of our culture is oh, yeah. do more. But if you have good money habits and you figure that crap out, then that's the stuff. And I am not speaking from experience here. Cause it's not somewhere that I'm super strong at yet, but um, that's the, that's the, tr- is like, if you keep, if you make more money, you're going to spend more money. And that yeah. doesn't fix your problem because you still have all the other shit to unravel. And I know that one because yeah. I've tried the more thing. But but yeah. the reason why we don't have good money habits in many respects is because we don't want to feel limited. We don't want to feel mm-hmm. that. But it's also because we are in a society and at a subconscious level, we think that what we have and what we do somehow measures our worth. Yeah. Measures our success. Has us belong. Has, gives us, you know, validation. And as long as we've got that attached, money attached to that, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you're going to buy the boat, you're going to buy the house, or you're going to give it away, give it away to help others. Either way, it's because somehow you've got your worth, your value connected to money. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's good. Yep. Good stuff, Teresa. It's like you cool. should do this for a living. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what an idea. I think yeah. I will. Oh my I, God, what? <laughs> Are I, you I, exceptional? You know, and, that's yeah. things, and that's one of the things that makes me a little different. I mean, now, not for the first 20 years as an abundance coach, is because oftentimes when people go to an abundance coach or a money mindset coach, it's still about how do I make more money? How do I have more money? How do I manage my money so I have more money so I have enough money? Mm-hmm. That's not what our life is about. Yes, we need money, but it's 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 the wrong focus. Mm-hmm. It's like what, what? Who am I? How do I want to experience my life? How do I express my life? How do I share my gifts in the world? Now, how do I learn how to use money in service of that? Mm-hmm. That's a big shift for people. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like it, but when you live it every moment, it's a big shift. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so as an entrepreneur and business owner yourself, Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give other business owners when it comes to running their businesses from a like actual business management standpoint, you know? Hmm. Well, one would be invest in your business, money and time with limits. It's not mm-hmm. about, you know, I have people who, you know, who start a business. I started a business. I was just like, hey, well, I'll just throw everything I have on it. I'm willing to lend from my savings account $10,000 to get my business off the ground. Then the business has to provide for itself. I'm not going to keep being the, you know, the feed it, feed it, feed it. So that would be one. Same thing with your time. That whole belief, oh, you just have to like, Work long hours and whatever to get it started. Throw that one out the window. Have limits to what you'll invest in your business and have those limits help you get more creative and expand and grow and ask for support and ask for what and do things because those limits will will spark um, spark creativity. And that's always going to support abundance. So that would be one. one. Another one would be never don't try and be more or less than who you are at any given time 
I was just having a call with a coaching client. She's a new coach, just starting out. She created a flyer for her program. She used it in meaning. She says, oh my gosh, I did it on Canva. Do you think it looks unprofessional and all that? She had this picture that it should be like slick and fancy. No, Mm -hmm. don't. I spent $25,000 on my very first website before there was WordPress. It was like a hundred pages to the public because honest to God, I'm an abundance coach. I have to look abundant. I've got to look and you know, just me, that's not enough. So Mm -hmm. I had like a hundred pages. This was in 2000 when you had to code, pay people to code it. It had quizzes. It had self-tests. It had conversations. It had movies to watch. It had all of that sort of stuff. And I ran out of money when the public piece was was ready. And we didn't even have a database to capture people's emails. So if people signed up for emails, I had to manually enter and send it. Like, now, now that's an extreme, but that's how big, how it's, we think that we have to like impress and look like we're more than we are. We don't. Mm-hmm. Stay true. Be who you are, even if you think it's not enough. Trust your innate enoughness. Um, and the final piece would be... <laughs> not my strong suit. Be willing to say, I don't know. Hmm. And ask if somebody else does. So I don't know how to do this of my business. Does anybody else know? Because I'm a big, well, if I, I don't know, then I'll figure it out myself. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. I don't know how to do a Zoom video. I don't know how to do a CRM. Whatever it is, be willing to say, I don't know, and ask. Mm -hmm. Ask if people can help you. Because that's going to make your life a hell of a lot easier. And sooner in your business, you'll be able to focus your time, money, and energy on the things that that are your genius and not everybody else's. Just because you're self-employed doesn't mean you have to do it all yourself. Yep. Yeah. And I think to your point too, like on the investing in your business, because I think a lot of people, this is another thing where people think, oh, I have to spend $10,000 on a coach or I have to spend $10,000 on this program. And it's like, no, you don't. Um, But you can find other ways that are like financially feasible because I just, my stomach just turns when I hear, you know, people like putting a $10,000 coach on their credit card or that kind of, I'm like, I just, I think that's shitty. Um, I, I think that there are better ways to do it and ways that you can find that help and like grow to that point. But there's yeah, this the messaging. Time. Yeah. There's this messaging that if you don't use my services, you will never have a successful business or you will never scale or you will never grow. And I'm just like, that's irresponsible and shitty. Um, and it's also scarcity based. Yeah, it's it is. It's, it's marketing that way. We, and so that would be my other piece. Don't use scarcity tactics to build your business. Fear based. Don't mess up because if you build scarcity tactics to build your business, it's going to perpetuate scarcity in your business in some way. And it's they just they may work for a time. They may work for a time. But it's not sustainable. It's such a shitty thing to do, too. I just, I even said, like, I did a presentation at our polka dot uh, chapter the last, the last two meetings, and it's a business audit checklist. It's like, here's some things that you know I put in order. And at the beginning of the last one, I was like, I just want to make sure that you know that this is not the only way that you can do this. If you don't do these things, you can still have a successful business. 
I am not the only person that knows how to do things and you can do them in a different order. You can do some of them. You can do none. You can still make money and you'll be fine. Like these are just ways to make it organized in ways that make sense to me. Here we go. And then like, you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, I don't, I never want people to think that I think that it's the only way to do things is the way that I say that because it's not true. All this shit's on the internet, man. Like <laughs> I can, yeah, you can Google. You know? it, it is. And the thing that you bring to that, that isn't on the internet is you. Right. And your energy and the way you put it together and your experiences, which is right for your right people. Yes, exactly. The people who want to work with me want to work with me. Like the first time we talk, it's like, oh, we connect. Exactly. I, I, I put things in a way that makes sense. Like I'm good at that with certain types of people. It's like, these are the, you know, like I can frame things, whatever it is. Like we, if someone wants to work with me, they usually know right away, especially like on a consulting basis, Um, which is great. Like I don't have to, it's like, that's who I want. I don't want, I'm not going to, I don't want to chase people down. Cause that's, I hate doing that shit. I'm like, I don't want to do, yeah, it's too much work anyway. So scarcity (laughs) yeah and that's all the scarcity, fear of not enough driving our behavior. Yeah. It's also like niching, I think is a whole nother thing too, where it's like, you have to, you have to do this and you have to be this or you'll never be successful. And I'm like, I don't have a niche. Like I still. Well, and I didn't have a niche for 20 years. Yeah. You know, and abundance is a great thing, you know, but, but my not having a niche was the scarcity pattern of trying to be all things to all people. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That. We need to know who we are and what we bring and who we can work with and trust in the enoughness of that, that Mm -hmm. we can let people go and we can find the right people. But that, but that whole scarcity, fear-based motivation, fear of not enough, using it to get clients, that's all that stuff is scarcity. Even when people say you have to, you should No, that's scarcity tactics. Mm -hmm. There's no have tos. I mean, just my background. If God doesn't even give us a have to, <laughs> we have free will. Who are we to say you have yeah. to? You must do it this way. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny. Um, I like it. It's a good conversation. So do you, are there any resources that you wish you had had at the beginning of your entrepreneurship journey or things that you think would be helpful for people when they're trying to like start a business? I wish I had had set up a budget for my business. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now I, I mean, I call it an abundance. Plan. I call it a conscious cash flow sheet because budget, because budget kind of brings up the nausea and limitation and all <laughs> yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, but just a conscious cash flow sheet. Um, it's not that I didn't pay attention to it, but again, with a conscious cash flow sheet, I'm I'm consciously putting limits in. I'm mm-hmm. going, you know. I kind of like to use the analogy of a suitcase. It all has to fit in the suitcase and you have to zip it up. Mm -hmm. And if your suitcase is too heavy, you're going to get over limit fees when you go fly in a plane. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I wish I had done that because I just like, just threw, I just threw it all. I just threw it all at the business. I was so confident we're going to succeed. We're just going to do whatever people said we needed to do. Yeah. Go to the conferences, do the personal growth, spend the Mm -hmm. money. The magic isn't out there. The magic's in you. Mm Mm-hmm. And learning and growing you and your discipline and your creativity and your being willing to receive and your vulnerability and your discipline and your patience when you're not exceptional. There's the magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that would, I think more than anything, 
that and possibly, and my other weak spot has always been, and I'm working on it, is um, when people, once people work with me, they stay in my world and work with me for a really long time. But I, I, I can oftentimes then rest on that. And, I, and I'm, I'm working on developing ways to always be bringing new people in. And so if from the beginning I had had people who could help me with what you'll call marketing, mm-hmm. you know, so that I would have learned early how to always bring bringing new people into my world, that would have made things a lot easier too. Because mm-hmm. what I did instead was just create a new program and program so that the people who already loved me would like, oh, a new program from Teresa. That's great. But that made a lot of work for me. And I had to keep doing new programs to pay the bills because I hadn't learned how to always bring new people mm. into my world. No, that's good. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. yeah, very good. That's good stuff. Okay. Um, well, anything else that you can think of that I missed or you um, that popped into your head that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up? Um, are you going to ask where they can reach me? Cause I want to talk about, Oh yeah, you can do that if you want. Yep. (laughs) So, um, there's a, well, gosh, I forget. Okay. TeresaRomaine.com forward slash podcast hyphen gift. Um, if you go there, um, I'm excited to share with you. I've been talking about the scarcity and, you know, abundance. And I mentioned this archetype of scarcity, but you'll get access to three videos one with the new definition of abundance that I'm bringing into the world, which is kind of like getting off the teeter-totter, mm-hmm. no longer playing musical chairs. It's a different game. Um, and then there's uh, two other videos, one that talks about what's the bottom line reason why we we don't access the abundance that's there and then how it fits with money. So I just wanted to invite people, if you've gotten a lot from this, one piece that we didn't really get to flesh out was just the whole new definition of abundance that this is based on. So mm-hmm. I go check out that video and you get to find out what it is. Sweet. Yeah. And I'll put all the links and everything in the show notes and social media posts and whatnot too. So cool. it will be available. Um, yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for joining me. Thanks for hanging out. I had a great time. I love this conversation. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad I did too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. I'll well, have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks.